In this podcast, Pamela Barty, a Forbes 30 under 30 entrepreneur and developer of a $100 million real estate empire, will share her inspiring underdog comeback story. And along with those of her guests, she'll share how you too, as an underdog, can rise up and succeed against all odds. Here's your host, Pamela Barty. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Underdog. Today, I have an incredible guest here with me. Angel, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Very happy to be here and very happy to be able to serve you and everybody who's listening to us today. Thank you so much, Angel. It's truly an honor to have you. I mean, you are a rock star in so many different realms. (laughs) Your energy is contagious, and I just want to learn all about you and like, your story and where you've been. And so with that, I always start (laughs) off with the most complicated question. Please go ahead. Are you ready? Oh, I'm so ready. (laughs) So my question for you is what inspired you on your journey to where you are today? I would say probably that I am an adventurous, you know, soul. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to explain why I, I conducted business in so many countries, why I lived in so many countries, why I was able to learn so many languages. It's definitely because I probably wasn't afraid of being exposed to new things, new cultures, new ways of, of living. And every time I was doing that was for me really a, a source of uh, curiosity, a source of uh, new things. And uh, I have to say that many people might perceive, you know, these big changes as, as in, you know, going to live in a new, into a new country as a challenge. And for me, it was always a pleasure. You know, what, what will happen? What's going to happen? Who am I going to meet? What's going to be the next adventure in my life? Probably I am adventurous. And second, and I started to figure that out in, I would say, in the beginning of the year 2000s, uh, was that I was, my journey was a series of lessons I had to learn in order to give back to the community, to give back to the world, both in the form of business lessons and also personal lessons to teach people in general. So I, I would say that's why I eventually ended up what I was doing. But it's funny because when people ask me, what well, would you recommend your younger you? You know, if you if you could recommend your younger you something else, I always say I would take more risks. But then when I reflect, I, I would say I already took a lot of risks, but I guess like you can always take more risks. Obviously, legal and healthy, right? But but yes, I would definitely, I think I, I took a lot of risks in my life. And and, and I think that I that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing today. That's amazing. Angel, thank you so much for basically sharing your insight with that. Now, my thing is, what did you want to be when you grew up that now you're such an adventurer? <laughs> yes. And if you had, you know, met with me when I was in my early 20s, I was so shy, Pamela. I was so shy, like nothing close, nothing close to who I am today and what I do today, like nothing. And I was the one that would never raise, you know, his hand. I would never, you know, nobody would know I was there, literally. So, you know, when I was a kid, I didn't know what really I wanted to be when I, when I was, you know, I was growing up. The only thing I knew, I mean, I valued certain things. I valued organization. I valued having things under control that would give me a sense of uh, security. And so I, I, I would feel safe with myself. And, you know, we all build those, you know, shields or boxes that we live in, right, to, to, to protect ourselves. But in reality, my life was the contrary. It's funny how, let me tell you an anecdote. I, re- I remember I was the president of, when I was in college, I was the president of an organization that was in charge of uh, 
the exchange, international exchange of technical students, students, engineering students. And it's funny because my favorite, before I started to travel, my favorite countries were the Nordic countries in Europe. Let's say, you know, uh, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, uh, even Finland, because they were so organized, you know, you pay a lot of taxes, but you get a lot of return. They're very socially developed countries. A lot, you know, the welfare is amazing and everything works just fine. You know, those countries are very rich in, in resources, natural resources. But it's funny how when I started to travel, I realized that probably that was really good. And I love those countries. I mean, I, I would go back to those countries anytime, you know, blind eyes. But I realized that probably I had to contribute to other ways or forms of society. That's why when actually I went to a boot camp in, in Boston with one of the companies I was working with, that was in the year 2000, I had this, after being to this sales boot camp in Boston, I took actually a couple of weeks vacation and I went to Mexico and Cuba and I was finishing the read of a book. The book is called The Celestine's Prophecy. That book talks about basically very basic metaphysics and spirituality, very basic. It's a story about a certain number of scrolls found in the Amazonia. But when I ended, when I finished reading that book, and I remember this precise moment, I said, there's some reason why I had to, I had to finish this book right now, right here. Mm. And I have, to, I have to move from Europe to the Americas, probably to Latin America, because right now I'm Latin, I'm Latin America. And it, it was... The first time I was spending some lengthy period of time in Latin America. So my life completely changed and I moved from, from you know, the super developed world. I was in London at that time working for an American company. I remember my boss telling me, Angel, you're crazy. You're in London. You have a great job. You definitely have a great career path here. You're going to be so successful. You're already a team leader. Why would you go to an underdeveloped country? I ended up in Mexico. Why do you want to go to a third world country? I mean, everything is great here and the money you're making and everything and you're close to your family in Spain, blah, blah, blah. I said, still, I think I can contribute more if I go to Latin America to this specific office and I can contribute to learn more also about the business in this country than what I'm going to do in Europe. And I never told them that it was because I had finished reading a book about the spirituality and metaphysics, you know, because they would say, what? You know, and I didn't want to risk it. You know what I mean? Your personal goals are not necessarily aligned with the, the organization goals for you. We all have at some point work for someone else. Not necessarily our personal goals are aligned with the organizational goals or with the goals that the organization has for us. Right. <laughs> and I didn't want to risk it. So only a few months later, I was already in Mexico. And that was really the starting point for me of uh, a lot of additional, I would say, hundreds of adventures traveling throughout the entire American continent. What? And you said the book was about metaphysics? Yes, it's called The Celestine Prophecy by James Redfield. It's a great book. I, it's very basic. It was literally the first time I was uh, exposed to the concept of energy, that, you know, plants have energy, animals have energy, that you see the energy, synchronicities, you know, coincidences that happen in your life. I was the first time ever I was reading about this. And it's a very nice story. It's a, it's a fish, fiction book, but it has a very, I would say it has a very, substantial background. So I really embraced it and I, I loved it. I remember reading it in the plane from, from London to Boston. And as I said before, after the boot camp, I, re I finished reading it at the end of my holiday or vacation there in, in Cuba. And I recommend that book to anybody that has never had or read anything related to, let's say, energy in general, right? It's very easy to read. And at the same time, it's very powerful. There was, there's also a book with the same name, but 
excuse me, a, a movie with the same name, but it's not the same. I, I would, there have been several, several sequels. So actually there's a, I think there's a, the ninth manuscript and there's many other, but the first book is just incredible. I really recommend you or anybody in the audience if you haven't to read it when you have a chance. Absolutely. I mean, that sounds absolutely unbelievable, to be honest. I mean, it's just what a blessing and what a gift. I mean, everything is energy, right? And it seems like anyone who's really in tune with energy is highly successful. I don't know. There must be something to this energy. Would you say so, Angel? That's a great question. And actually, I've never been asked that question. It's, it's a great question. I think that when you understand what this world is about, then you start connecting the dots. And that's probably the reason why you have found out throughout your life, because you realize that, you know, when you put where you put your focus is where your energy goes. Right. And also when you start thinking about something and then those neural connections, as you know, our the potential, the electrical potential of our body in general, but of our brain can be measured with you know specific devices. So when you start learning new stuff, new concepts, uh, actually you are creating new neural connections. And the more those neurons fire together, they wire together. So I think that understanding all the all those concepts, and I think that not many people still know really what this life is about, right? What, what are we doing here? But energy, being being familiar with the concept of energy, I think that helps helps you a lot because that you know that principle that you just mentioned that everything is energy, and actually the energy is never destroyed. So if it's never destroyed, then what happens to the energy, right? If it's never destroyed, if you start consistently thinking about something or someone to happen, right? And you add some emotions to it, and it has been found that actually the field which is created by our heart is, I think, two or three orders of magnitude stronger than the field that is being created with our thoughts, thoughts alone. So actually, when you bring those thoughts to your heart and you focus on something or someone, the field of energy which is created or the flow of energy that is created is even more powerful. So when you understand this, then I think that you are really at the beginning of understanding what creating a reality is. So that's why, and I'm closing the circle here, that's why I think that people that understand energy well are able to or are able to be maybe named successful because they have accomplished a few things in their lives. Absolutely. And I mean, in your, in your line of work and all the work that you've done, it seems like that's definitely a very important element, right? Would you say? I can sense it in the way you speak. But, and just but you know, work. thank you. No, I'm, 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 exactly. I mean, I'm just who I am. You know, I'm, I'm just passionate and enthusiastic and I just show up to my life like this every single day, you know? <laughs> so that's who I am and I couldn't be anybody else. But to be very honest, Pamela, let me tell you something, which is while I was living my life, let's say before I ended reading that book, The Celestine Prophecy in 2000, 2001, it was 2001, I was still passionate and I was still, you know, using a lot of my personal energy, but I wasn't aware of why would that way of me looking at life was creating what I was creating, you know? Also, and I don't know if this is related to energy or not, but I feel comfortable really anywhere in the world. You know, there's some people that say, I need to go back home and I need to feel at home. I honestly think that I've lived in so many places that I think that I can make home anywhere. 
I can make anywhere feel as in home for me. Probably it's connected to my energy as well, because as, as long as I you know show up as I am and who I am all the time, I think that I can start offering value to people. And as you know, the, the main principle of, of generating or having a business, uh, you know, and, and making a difference in the world is just that you can offer value consistently to your clients, you know, more than expected. And that it's the same in, in personal relationships. That's, that's, I think, one of the reasons. Absolutely. I love that, Angel. I love that. And so you. while you were growing up, like, who was your biggest inspiration? I would probably say it was my father because he had a very good sense of humor. I think I have inherited that from him. He was also very passionate. I would, every time I would go with him, and when I was a kid, very early on, you know, every single time I could go with him, he was the, the GM for a large food group in Spain. And every time I could go with him to visit the factories or travel with him during the summer, I remember every summer, the highlight of my summer was not going on vacation. It was going with my father, wherever he was going. You know, he had to travel hours, you know, driving hours to a specific plant or, or customer or place. I would love, I, I really love to go with him. And when he was interacting with people, he always intrinsically, you know, internally, he always behaved because that was, that was his, his behavior, his character, his personality. He was always like very expansive and making everybody feel well and making jokes and teasing people the right way, you know? So people would remember him because of who he was. And I think that I've probably inherited that from him. And that probably, he was definitely the number one person I was looking up to. I loved music, but I wasn't really a musician I was looking up to. I, I really like different kinds of music. I wasn't really a reader, I have to say. I become a reader you know, growing up later. After that, probably I've known a lot of people that, or a few people that have inspired me, but definitely was my dad when I was a kid. That's awesome. So you were exposed to business from a very young age by traveling with him and kind of going all over the place. That is so cool. Oh my gosh. Wow. And then, so how did that spark up in your career? Like where, where did you start? Like, what was your first? You're asking me very intimate and very, and great questions. I've never been asked before. <laughs> Literally. So, no, I mean, thank you. Thank you so much because I had never thought about this. I wow. had never thought about this. And now I was remembering, for instance, the weekends, right? I mean, every, every Sunday morning after going to Mass, we, we were a Catholic family. After going to Mass very early on, on Sundays, he would go to, to visit the main you know, manufacturing facility where, he, where the main headquarters, where the main offices were and I remember that he would go literally inside the plant, one of the plants, and he would literally like check that everything was fine. That wasn't really like I'm sure that he had someone in charge of operations and someone in charge, but he was the only one in, in the plant at that time. Wow. But he always would do like a tour. And now that I, you're asking me this question, something that has characterized me a lot throughout my career is that I always wanted to roll up my sleeves and make sure that I was there to do something. It's very rare for me to just let the others do something without me making sure that I was there, at least in the beginning, you know? I mean, I'm not, I don't like to micromanage, but at least in the beginning, I had to be there. You know, I had to make sure I was doing anything myself to make sure that that could be replicated, that could be taught, that could be learned. And I think that that example of my dad going every single Sunday, I mean, just, you know, think about this, just Sunday. And the company wasn't his, he was the GM. So he was going there every single Sunday to like overlook everything. And I think that that's why people like, have liked me a little bit throughout my career because they knew things were going to get done. 
things were going to be executed. Things were going to eventually, you know, they were going to happen. I was having a custom conversation with the CEO of uh, one of my client companies. And he was telling me, you know, my salespeople love you, not only because you are supporting us as a, you know, they are my client, but because they know that every time they go with you to visit a client, they would close the deal, <laughs> you know? And it's also funny how I didn't even, I wasn't even conscious that every single time I would go with them, we would close the deal. Because sometimes, you know, the deals would take some time and I wasn't there to close it. They, all his sales reps, and he has a 40 plus sales reps, wow. all his sales reps all have this thought that when Angel Rebo goes with you to an account or has a conference with an, with a, an executive of a company you want to sell to, you will eventually sell to them. So it's funny, Pamela, how we go throughout our lives, our lives and very often we don't realize the footprint that we are leaving behind until someone asks us the question or we start reflecting about it. That's the beauty of being interviewed in, in, in your show today, right? That you, you allow me to, to actually put myself in a creation mode. I believe that being on a podcast interview is like writing a book. Yes. Because you really learn how much you know. You remember how much you know. You remember who you really are mm-hmm. by the questions that, in your case, Pamela, you're asking me, which are incredible questions. So thank you. Thank you thank so much. You. It's such an it's such an honor. Well, because you know, there it always stems from somewhere, right? Like it definitely does. And there are there have been moments that shaped you because now you've become this master of influence. People follow you. And like you just said, these CEOs, they know you're gonna close the deal. And this is something that everyone wants to know, Angel. I know the listeners <laughs> out there are like. Give me his secrets. So what would be, you know, first off, how did you create your own master of influence, right? Like how did you learn the art of influence and what would be your recommendations to anyone who's looking to master that? Because if you can master influence, you master business, you know? Thank you. Thank you. Definitely. I have to give all the honor of the value of me understanding how influence works to a lady called Teresa de Grobois. I forgot the, the exact words of the title of her book, but she has a book about influence, which is, it's a masterpiece. It's like everybody should have, everybody should have her book. And again, her book about influence is just incredible. And just to share the main idea with the audience, right? The main way to start creating an influence for yourself, for your brand, for your company, for your business, is to give influence to others. Mm. Okay. To reach out to very influential people and start giving influence to these people, start sharing in your outlets, even if they're small outlets, even, you know, start sharing what they do to other people in your area of influence, in your circle of influence and do it again, make sure that you do it and you do it consistently. Remember, everything is energy. Everything is energy. So when you start doing this, they will notice, they will notice that you are giving them more exposure. You are increasing their influence. And that will eventually give you the influence. And there's a ton of people explaining this in detail out there. But again, remember, giving influence is the step number one. But I would say it's not even a step number two. But remember that influence is a game, okay? It's a game. It's not a rigid thing. It's, it's a game, right? And you have to learn how to play. And the best way to learn to play it is by starting to give influence, as I said, but keep on playing it. Okay, so what, what can I do to give that person more influence and that person more influence? And suddenly 
you have that influence. Suddenly you start realizing that you have the influence. I've been blessed with being invited to more than 150 interviews for podcasts. Yeah. Uh, so, and this is also a way of generating influence, right? A lot of people know about me now because they, they were kind enough to interview me. And obviously this is a lot of content there. And obviously I, as you can see, I enjoy this conversation with you, Pamela. And I'm totally blunt, like honest with every single comment I make because it's only speaking by, from my heart that I am myself. Make a thorough calculation, right? So it's 150 interviews, let's say 30 minute or 20 minute average. How many questions have I been asked? I have no idea. Still Pamela today has asked me questions nobody had asked me. That's the beauty. You're, you're, a great, you're a great host because you are able to really, you are so present in the conversation right now that you are able really to get into the details that might interest the audience. So, and, but also because you are helping me to go to places where I had not been for a long time, literally I had not been there for 40 years. I had not been visiting, visiting visually, visualizing you know, my, my visits to this manufacturing plant of my father. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell him next time I talk to him. Absolutely. Well, it's so cool because you, you know, what's really interesting is everything you've experienced as a child somehow ties into your future. And it's really cool. And sometimes you don't realize it. You know, that's how I always ask the question, like, what did you want to be when you grow up? Because truly it's linked somehow. So when you were telling me you were with your father, I was like, that's it. That's the reason why he can, he's seen these things from a very young age and now can, can go out there and kind of implement everything from a logistics standpoint, because you've seen the logistics of business since you were a kid, right? Like when I was, so when I came to the US when I was five and my dad bought a restaurant when he was 10. And so I dove into the business when I was 10 years old. So being there that early, you start to see business like in so many different lights and everything, you just see it, it's logistics. And when people are like, oh, I wanna start a business, but I'm scared. I'm like, why? Because it's just logistics, right? And that's exactly what you do. You help CEOs, scale and influence and all of that and it's so cool exactly. and it's really mechanics right it's really just mechanics exactly you understand the power you yourself pamela right after what you just told me you understand the power of just showing up don't you yes just so showing powerful. up exactly just showing up and, and as you know you are irreplaceable nobody can be pamela if pamela is not there you know, I mean, you might have some siblings and maybe the siblings, I don't know if they'd like to be there or not, if you had or if you hadn't, it doesn't matter. But, you know, your presence was unique and your presence was important. That's why I always say, you know, it's my presence is one of the most important things that they have with me. That's why I love so much of being, you know, being in interviews. Oh, man, I love that. Well, presence is a big thing. Just mm -hmm. physically being there, being present and just showing up. I mean... That's honestly like 50% of the battle. Just saying, yes, I'm here. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, and, be, and be fully like fully present in doing what has to be done. And obviously I can, we all have examples of the other, of not being present, right? But I remember, for instance, one conversation, one, one interview I got from a podcaster, the questions had been pre-written. And I understand that people need to feel comfortable. I mean, I'm, I'm very compassionate. So I understand that people maybe are not, don't feel so comfortable as you do, Pamela, asking me <laughs> questions. Some people feel more comfortable. They just send me the questions uh, beforehand. I have to tell you, whenever they send me the questions beforehand, and I apologize to everybody that has done that, I never read them. <laughs> it's not because I'm not polite uh, or not well-educated. It's just because I don't want to be biased. 
Yeah. I'd rather be fully present. It's like me. I'm listening to you. I'm watching to my camera sometimes to you, but more to the camera. So they, you know, whenever that's published, uh, if it's published in video, you know, I'm looking to you in the eyes and to the audience. But it's not always the case. And I remember one conversation that everyone was asking. Everyone has a different had different questions. The sequence was completely anarchic. Like one will ask you about one thing and the other about a completely different thing. And then the first one will go back to the, you know, the third question of the first host would, would go back to the first question of, of, of that person. Then they didn't really think well about the cadence of the interview. It might sound like obvious. No, 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 no. I mean, you have to, you have to try, right? I mean, you have to test it before you do it. Yeah, but some people are not so present. So they don't realize what the audience feels when they are listening to the conversation, right? Right. You have that power because you are able to be extremely present for the next question, but not everybody has that power. So exactly. Being present is the most powerful manifestation of who you really are in this 3D world that we live. Thank you so much, Angel. You're such a rock star. No, and I appreciate that. Thank you. It's it's the truth. Like you got to just show up. You got to be present and you got to just rock it. And then speaking of that, you've walked into all these sales meetings with all these CEOs and all of that. Not that I want to spoil your secret sauce, but like just a little, just a little snippet of like for you, you had mentioned a little bit of the influence, but maybe some techniques for people that are trying to increase their influence, close deals, close sales and all of that. And and what you would recommend, like for me in business, like I'm always just very much like, I'm going to advise you it's people before profit. So like I'm in real estate, real estate development and all of that. And I'm like, even if it's no good for me, I'll tell you what it's like. Cause I'm going to talk to you as if you're my dad, my brother, my mom, because at the end of the day, you're going to remember me for that. I'm not just going to sell you something just to sell you something or have you, you know, buy something that you're not going to be happy with. You know what I mean? Things like that. So I would love to hear your insight because you've advised so many and it's, it would be so cool to hear your perspective. Let me tell you how I learned sales. I was in Europe and I was in London and I was part of an inside sales team. Okay. So I was basically, my goal was, or my role was to generate leads for my field sales reps. I was, you know, I was closed down in that inside sales office and I was calling to European accounts. Guess what? I was doing it so well. I mean, humbly speaking, but I was doing it so well that actually my boss one day called me to his office and he said, I want you to start calling to Germany. What? Yes. Germany and Austria. Oh, you you mean, you mean Germany and Austria, like in German? (laughs) And I didn't speak German. I mean, I had, I had, been dating with a with the German girl for a while, but I, I didn't. I could I, maybe I knew ten words in German. <laughs> I started calling German and Austrian accounts, speaking my poor German, and that was actually I have explained this anecdote a few times because what happens when the language over the phone is a language that you don't know, and the other person doesn't know because in Germany they don't all speak English. It's not like in the Nordic countries that they all speak English or in the Netherlands, right? In Germany, not necessarily speak English. So what was my goal then? I, I wanted to set up an appointment for a field rep that lived in Germany or in Austria. So my only goal, knowing that they would only be able to maybe read two or three sentences or maybe just make some jokes, you know, like in, in broken German or whatever that I was reading, was only to start a relationship with that person so that he would remember me or she would remember me. That was my only goal, like put in place a stepping stone 
that would create a future relationship. That's why that was my only goal. Nothing else. That was my only goal. Create a relationship. To your point, you know, you said people first. Absolutely. You are there to generate a relationship with that person. You are there to try to understand what that person wants. And you are there also to set the expectations of what you can provide that person with. Don't forget that because we tend to forget that. We are not only there to help them or try to understand how we can help them, but also what we can do and what we cannot do. It's important to set the right expectations from the very beginning. It's like, you know, when if you have a life partner, right? I think it's important to set the right expectations. Otherwise, down the road, probably there's going to be some issues. So, and let me compliment what you just said. People always first, exactly, create a relationship. Obviously, I think that, I mean, I, my mom uh, is a teacher, so she taught me like very good manners and what to do, what not to do. I definitely think I have carried that in my blood and I, I am very polite. And I think that this politeness and good manners and everything has allowed me to open big doors in my life and have good conversations and relationships with CEOs. But also you, you mentioned profit. I think that profit has been, I don't know if that's the, that's the right uh, word. You, you correct me, please, because I, obviously I'm not, my mother tongue wasn't English, but <laughs> the word profit has been somehow evilized. Yeah. I don't know if evilized, you know, yeah. because my question is always when I have conversations, you ask me to give you some tips, right? Yes. Some, uh, when you talk to CEOs, obviously profit is the number one goal because they have to respond to their board, to their investors, right? So right. is it possible to generate a relationship and at the same time create profit? Absolutely. We have, unfortunately, we have grown also in a way that we thought that it was really difficult to create one thing at the, at the other at the same time. Mm -hmm. And CEOs value this a lot. So when you start the conversation about profitability and they see, they see, they notice that, they sense that you are genuinely yourself, authentic, with your vulnerabilities. You don't have to be perfect. I'm not saying that you are a superhero. I'm saying whoever you are, show yourself who you are, have an honest conversation, but bring the subject matter of profit, bring it to that conversation. How are you going to help him or her with their profitability? Make sure that you do that because it's the most important thing. I mean, other things I can tell you, uh, what is CEOs are always looking for unconventional knowledge, for instance, that's very important. Obviously, CEOs believe that their company is almost like a spiritual creation for them. You know, it's something that they have been able to create or to manage or to help grow. Obviously, they trust blind eyes to their leadership team. They tend to think that, that everybody is accountable to them. Unfortunately, that's not the case, though. It's not always the case. Not every single employee is engaged, as you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and exactly. What's, what's this term? I, I started hearing it maybe two or three weeks ago, is it the massive resignation? What's the, what's this term that is being used right now? Like mm -hmm. it's related to resignation. Like the people right now are massively resigning. And obviously it's, it might be in part because of the injection, right? But there's other reasons, right? There's other reasons. And again, we're not going to get political in this discussion, but because I, I'm here and I'm sure that we are here, both of us to build bridges and to help people and not to create uh, differences. But I think that people realize in 2020, they realized that they were more powerful than what they thought they were. 
Mm. And that's why there's being a massive resignation of really, really strong people that they are massively leaving the corporate world in order to have their own businesses and their own, uh, you know, companies. Amen. And there's this massive awakening now where people are kind of like, well, because COVID, I think, did a big shift with this, where it was the first time that you were broken out of your routine, like, boom, forced out of it. You know, most people go through life and it's just the same old thing every single time. You know what I mean? Wake up, go to work, come home exhausted, eat, go to bed, pay bills, go to bed, whatever. Like, and it's like the sequence and the cycle. And it's like, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Right. And now there's this massive awakening, like where people are really asking for the first time, why am I doing this? Is this worth my energy? Is this crazy, stressful job worth my energy? I've heard of people quitting six figure jobs and going to scoop ice cream. I mean, that just goes to tell you, people just can't, you know what I mean? They're like, I would rather be happy and have peace of mind than deal with this. And and it's really cool to see, but a lot of people are shifting into the small business world, like opening their own businesses and, you know, kind of following their, their dreams and whatnot, or shifting into jobs they never thought were possible. So it's really cool. It's really cool and exciting. And and it's a, it's a Mm -hmm. great time for entrepreneurs, I would say, and things are transforming across the field so your tips and advice are super helpful angel like truly truly they are and and i have to ask you kind of mentioned it a little bit in the beginning where you said you know what would you tell your younger Mm -hmm. self what would your older self tell your younger self based on what you know now it can be personal it can be business it can be spiritual it can be whatever you want yeah well definitely as any as anybody else i mean i love mom and dad like crazy right i mean i owe everything i've done in my life to them and everything uh, in time or in resources that they invested in me, they definitely allowed me to grow and, and to be who I am today, right? But I would say, and I, I, and I was born in, the, in a very Catholic family, right? Probably, I think that every single, and again, with respect to every single person out there, throughout my life, I've been, I've dealt with so many, you know, people from so many denominations and religions and cultures that being free enough to actually embrace my own spirituality that that was a really important teaching for me i think that there's so much to learn that i probably advise my younger me hey start your spiritual journey start reading this book or this book or this book that's that's the number one thing i would say number two as i said before take risks take more risks don't play safe take more risks if someone presents you with an opportunity, take it. Right. Angel, take it. As, as far as it's healthy and legal, right? But take it. <laughs> you know, take it. All those experiences are going to give you this edge that you will need. I was telling someone who is suffering a lot right now, a friend of mine. She's an incredible human being. She's an incredible soul, incredibly spiritual. Her journey has been really, really intense. And a friend of hers, like she's been suffering a lot lately. And one of her best friends that just died, oh. like she went for a visit for a test and the test went into ICU and the ICU in two days was dead. And still the family is still in shock. And, and I was telling her, she's suffering so much that I was telling her all this suffering is because you are learning so much. You're having to cope with so much that one day you will be able to teach people how to deal with this. And that's a lesson. So everything that you do, good or bad, you know, and also the, as you know, good or bad, it all depends on the perspective, right? But right. if I could tell my young, the younger angel, hey, take more risks, 
open yourself to possibilities. And even if it looks maybe it's going to be uncomfortable, just do it to see what it takes you. Who are you going to meet there? What are you going to learn? Right? I mean, I, I remember maybe when I was a kid, I remember going for the first time to a summer camp, like literally a summer camp, like in the mountains in Spain. Oh my God, I was crying almost every day because I wasn't with mom and dad. You remember that feeling? Like I was missing my mom and dad so much. Literally, I was crying almost every day when nobody would look at me. We were in those tents, right? In the middle of the mountains. But I will never forget that, right? That taught me many, many different lessons. And I made a lot of mistakes, but I still was able to learn a lot of lessons. So I wish I could have taken more more and more, you know, adventures and risks to learn more, to have more experiences. So probably today, even though as and you have been really kind, yeah, yeah, when you read my bio, you say, wow, this guy has done something. I think I could have done so much more. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Angel, you're a rock star. And I just, I love, I love your authenticity and I love your energy and just like how raw you are. And I mean, I just like you, mom and dad for me is everything. I mean, it's like, they're they're my whole world motivation all of that you know and there's nothing that that can take that away so I completely relate with you completely relate with you there and I just I love what you've established what you've created for the world and how you've helped like all these companies and all these CEOs advance and move further in their lives just to crush it and I'm sure you influence so many amazing people throughout the way because you have so many different channels that people listen to you and tune into you because you're so awesome and I understand why (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. Seriously. No, th- thank you. Uh, you know, that's why when you ask me those questions, right? I mean, I, I started thinking, okay, so what, knowing what I know today, with all these mistakes I made, the mistakes I have, because I, I also have made mistakes with my clients. I mean, <laughs> in full transparency, we make mistakes with our clients all the time as well. That's why it's so important to set the right expectations in the beginning, right? And I've also made my mistakes of not setting the right expectations and the right boundaries, right? I'm sure that you hear me, right? I'm sure that you've made that mistake too, right? But still, it's thinking, it's okay. So you asked me this question, oh my God, yes, exactly. Yes, yes, yes. So it's, it's so important, so important to be open to taking those, you know, those risks all the time. And to just, you know, at some point you, you realize that you, you are able to start teaching all those questions. All those lessons, excuse me, that you learned that were hard learned to other people and those lessons that you teach are able to change their lives. That's powerful. Right now, as you know, uh, maybe just to give a, a final point, as you know, there's restrictions in many countries in the world. Obviously, Massachusetts has its own you know, part of them and, and Texas, we have our, our own part of them as well. But there's countries in the world that are much more in lockdown, you know, and, and there's a lot of what I'm trying to convey here is that I have, for instance, I have a client in Australia and Australia is really, right now is really difficult to live in Australia. And you know what's happening? What's happening is that the neighborhoods are organizing themselves literally offline to make sure that nobody needs anything, that the needs of every single family and individual in the neighborhood are being met through the efforts, combined efforts of the rest of the neighbors. That's powerful. So when we are pushed as human beings to a place of uncomfortability, and you mentioned what you know the pandemic represented to all of us, we react, eventually we react from the bottom of our hearts. And even if you know I am pro something, you are anti something, whatever that is, you're mm-hmm. still my neighbor and I still love you. And if you have been my neighbor for one year or maybe 11 years or 20 years, it doesn't matter who you vote, 
I still love you and I would do anything to make sure that if you need, you know, a pound of onions today for whatever reason, and I have a few onions left here and I, you know, I'm going to give them to you. That's who the, what the real world is. And you, 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 you mentioned the word awakening. That's where we're going, really, genuinely helping each other, regardless of where we stand by any criteria you can think of. Amen. And it's so exciting to see that. You know what I mean? It's so exciting to see that and to break into the next level of life. And I just, I'm just excited to see what's going to happen within the next like five years or so, you know, and totally. speaking of like what's happening in the near future, what's up in your world, Angel, in the next like six to 12 months? What are you up to in this? Beautiful thank you. World? Thank you. No, thank you. Well, I can, I will continue to provide my consulting services. Basically, I help both corporate CEOs and established entrepreneurs, the ones that already are on high six figures or seven figures. I help them, you know, go globally, increase their expansion or bridge the gap internationally, globally for expansion and exposure as a way to accelerate the growth of their businesses. That's what I do. That's one thing. Second, unfortunately, for the last couple of years, we had to stop the activities with the Wisdom for Kids Foundation. We help underprivileged kids in Latin America become entrepreneurs using the local resources. We had helped more than 1,000 before all this, you know, started. So, and we cannot go back to these communities right now. So we really can't wait like to, and or until the moment that everything opens up back again and we can go back there and we can talk to those kids and we can hug them and we can play with them and we can sing and we can jump and do all the weird stuff that we do in the, in the Wisdom for Kids Foundation in order to help them. And if I may, I would like to share, I mean, people, as you said before, I'm, I'm literally, as you know, in every single social media outlet that you can think of, including TikTok, by the way. So the most silly part of Angel, probably you'll find it on, on TikTok. But if you go to LinkedIn, it's probably my main outlet. Uh, and you go to look for Angel Rebo, the CEO Confident, which is my brand, the CEO Confident. Uh, or you can send me an email. I have a team of people helping me, thank God. And uh, they will answer all the questions or all the emails that I'm not able to. And my email address is very simple. It's angel at angelrebo.com. Rebo is my last name. It's four letters, R-I-B as in boy, O. Again, the email angel at angelrebo.com. And, you know, I'm, I'm here to, I, I consider myself the conduit of uh, everybody else's greatness. So I will be more than glad to help you in your journey, both personally or professionally. Oh, Angel, thank you so much. It's been an honor to have you today. Thank you for dropping all your gems, bringing your beautiful energy and presence. I am thank so you. grateful for you, my friend. Thank you so much. The only dream that I've been chasing is my own. So that's it for today's episode of Underdog. Head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the show. One lucky listener every single week that posts a review on iTunes will win a chance in the grand prize drawing to win a private VIP day with Pamela herself in Boston, Massachusetts. Be sure to go to theunderdogshow.com and pick up a copy of Pamela's free gift and join us on the next episode. <laughs>